myself again. Good evening and welcome to NUFC Matters with me, Steve Wraith. It is the Retro Show. Tonight, Newcastle United's opposition are Preston and Blackpool. A combination of two teams tonight, which is the first time we've done it, but really due to the fact that there's a, a severe lack of uh, games which would have got all the way through uh, the show, I think. And uh, as always, we have uh, your usual favourites. Uh, we have teams uh, compiled of players that play for both uh, teams. And we also have some celebrity fans from both teams as well. Uh, but as always, we go around the board with George, Steve Wilkinson, Stu Penman and Mitch. Uh, and we get some recollections of games gone by uh, between Newcastle and the opposition. So, George, good evening. It's over to you first. Hello, Steve. Hello, lads. Um, well, Hi, Dad. Hi, George. Not, not many games, unless they're of my age. <laughs> and you can, suddenly you can find all the games you want. <laughs> So I've I've started way down the list at uh, 20th of April 1955, and uh, the Chicken Road Academy that taught me my football and my football knowledge were desperate to go and see this game because um, it was going to be the return of one of their favourites, a little centre forward called Charlie Wayman. But unfortunately, a couple of months before the game happened, Preston sold him to Southampton for ten thousand pounds. And uh, so he, we now I got there. Say, well, welcome back, Charlie. Um, I put Charlie Mitten's picture on Steve. That's the first one I think I sent you. That's him. Um, centre forward, prolific goal scorer, five foot six height, a tiddler really, but he could knock the goals in from anywhere. And bear in mind he was competing against uh, Albert Stubbins, uh, Jackie Milburn. Um, Roy Bentley, they were all competing for the centre-forward spot with Charlie Wayman. Um, Stubbins fell out with Seymour, who was the manager, and Stubbins got sold on uh, to Liverpool. Uh, and uh, uh, um, Charlie Wayman was given, given the centre-forward spot. And in that season, he scored four hat-tricks. Four hat-tricks in a single season. 39 goals in in uh, less than 40 games compared to what we play now. So he, he was, a, he was a, a a really dangerous little player. The only trouble is he too fell out with Seymour and uh, Seymour sold him him off uh, in, in no time at all and uh, off he went to Preston. So um, as I say, we went, we went to see... Uh, Charlie Wayman come back, but uh, it, it never happened. However, it was a good game, an excellent game, a 3-3 draw. Um, and indeed, it, for for the Newcastle fans, it looked like it was going to be a cakewalk. By 35 minutes, we were three goals up. Uh, Reg Davis scored the first one, George Hanna the second, and just after the half hour, Jackie Milburn scored a screamer for the third. And everybody thought, well, this is going to be a cricket score until Preston came out the second half and turned it upside down. Um, Hyam scored two goals in a matter of minutes after the half-time whistle, and uh, then Barder scored uh, the equaliser, and after that it was all uh, hands to the pump. Uh, incidentally, by now, because of the ructions in the dressing room, we weren't managed by Dan Seymour anymore. We were managed by Doug Livingston, who came from uh, from Fulham. 
And uh, the team at the time was was an interesting one. It was uh, getting towards uh, a cup, the cup final team: Simpson, Cowell, Batty, Schooler, Stoke, Crow, Milburn, Reg Davis, Vic Keeble, uh, George Hanna, and Bobby Mitchell. And uh, the only other. Um, thing of interest uh, that uh, the chicken road academy wanted me to look for i'll give you another picture for this game steve it could go up now please a young man called tommy Doherty, who was setting the world on fire from uh, uh defensive midfield uh he was basically a, a, a rough house he was he was a tough character tommy uh anybody that got tackled by tommy's they stayed tackled um but he was getting quite a name for himself in in the first division as a as a player of import, and of course uh, about this time he also picked to play for Scotland. So, uh, and he was playing, and he um, he didn't score any of the goals, but he had a lot to do with closing off um, our attacking uh, force. In fact, he moved to the to the right of our our forward line. It made sure that Jackie Milburn didn't do any damage because it had been Jackie that had been doing most of the damage. And he moved over to make sure that that uh, came to an end. And uh, so he, he gave uh, Jackie Milburn quite a hard time. Um, it was uh, 38,680 at the, at the game. Um, a lively, as I say, a lively game, an interesting game. Uh, the only thing that didn't happen that we went to, to see uh, was for Charlie Charlie Wayman to, to make his return, uh, but he'd already been transferred elsewhere. So that's my first game back in 1955, April 1955. Thank you. Great stuff. Steve Wilkinson, over to you for your first recollection. Yeah, well, I'm going back um, to, to my first game um, in, in the 60s, uh, seeing Newcastle play under the lights. Um, I started to go in, in 1962 and uh, I couldn't always go because I, I was waiting to go with my dad and, and he quite often worked on a Saturday and uh, prior to this game which was the, the game I'm going to talk about was the 25th of September 1963 which was a League Cup match with Preston um, we'd actually played Preston on the Saturday and, and I didn't go to that match and where, in that game Newcastle lost 4-2 so it was it was set up um for you know, wanting revenge, obviously, and Preston probably felt quite confident going into this game. Um, there wasn't a, a great turnout, uh, four, just over 14,500 there, which is was it was a certainly almost half of what had been there on Saturday. So I think the, the fans had got a bit disgruntled about that. And uh, it, it was only the, the third round of the cup, it wasn't going into the advanced stages. Um, I cannot remember an enormous amount of the, about the game itself, but I, what, what I do remember is. is how good it was to go to a night game. Um, I think they, even nowadays there's something special about a night game under the lights, and, and I think you see more of the pitch when it when the lights are there. And, I, and if you remember in those days, it was the ground was with the uh, the four pylons in the corner, which which again sort of when when they were lit up and you could see it from from miles away, and and uh, it lit up the stadium right the way around. And I think that that gave it a extra atmosphere as well. Um, I was actually in the Leaser's end. I think, Steve, you got a photograph of the Leaser's end then, just to remind people of what it, what it used to look like. Um, and that, that was, uh, I mean, that wasn't that game. It was a, you know, that's a daytime game. But there, there was the, uh, what's, what's quite significant is that loads of kids at the front. And that's where I used to go at that time. I used to get in and quite early and get down to the front so I could get a, get a view. And 
one of your main obstructions was was the, the police walking around the pitch all the time. So you can see there the sergeant who was probably at that stage trying to, I think that's probably pre-match, and he was trying to chase people and stop kids sitting on the wall, which was quite a common thing that happened. And you didn't have stewards in those days doing that. It was always, it was always the responsibility of the police. And probably a sergeant like him was was even harder in the in kicking kids up the wall and threatening them to be expelled from the ground. So it it was a sort of a memorable occasion. If you imagine that on the with the lights, um, it all it also added a bit of bit of extra. Um, one of those things that always happened in those days as well, which I, I can't remember whether it happened that night, was the smell of the brewery it used to always come over the ground and it, it, it <laughs> overcame the smell that came out the Gallagher end because obviously I was in the Leeser's end. We couldn't quite smell the the, the, uh, the toilets in the Gallagher end. It was, you had to be really in that end. So that whenever the brewery was, 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 uh, was brewing, that was a very strong smell that, that came over the whole of Newcastle and it certainly came into the stadium being, being just across the road. Um, so just just coming to the game, as I say, I cannot remember exactly the details of the of the game, but the the team that night was was a, was a little bit of a change from the team that they played on Saturday. Um, at that time, similar to how we have it now with with Darlow and and uh, Dubravka, main first two choice goalkeepers, it was uh, there was a you know more swapping over. We obviously got more complications with Woodman now, um, but we had a we had a choice between Dave Hollands and and Gordon Marshall, and Gordon Marshall had played in goal on the Saturday, but he. he uh, Joe Harvey, the manager, had given Dave Collins a Dave Hollins a chance to play in this game. The rest of the team, uh, the defence, John McGrath, centre half, George Dalton be left back. Guy I can't quite remember, <coughs> Leonard Walker. George might know him more than I do, but I'm I'm, I'm assuming he played right back because I don't think there's other right backs in the team. Bill Thompson, the big tower in centre centre half. Yeah. Um, Jim Eilie, uh, Alan Suddick, Wally Burton, Barry Thomas, Ron McGarry's the main strikers, and Colin Taylor. Gingerhead winger, I, I they've just signed at the beginning of that season. I remember uh scoring after 55 seconds in his first game, hell of a powerful shot he had. Uh, Thun- and, uh thunderous, thunderous shot, yeah. Uh, actually, uh, he, he went to uh, I think uh, Walsall after that. And I, I was uh, watching them play Grimsby and he put a cross in there, he just about took the center forward's head off as it came over this cross and it bulleted in the net. Uh, but he, he had a fantastic shot and uh. You know, it was it was, a, it was a pretty good winger as well. So anyway, we actually won the game three nil. Um, the goals were scored by Ron McGarry, which was a penalty in the first half, and then Barry Thomas uh, just after the hour, and, and then Ollie Burton finished it all off. Um, I've been trying to find the Preston team that day, and uh, without success, I've got the Preston sites and all sorts. But it's very possible that that uh, a couple of significant names were playing there. Peter Thompson, who had played for Preston, and at the end of that yeah. season, he. He went on to Liverpool and, and, and became an England international. And a, another young lad who might have played in that game was a 17-year-old called Howard Kendall, who um, who went on to greater things and obviously ultimately Everton manager playing for England. And uh, even though we beat Preston three 0 in this game on, in the FA Cup, Preston West Ham actually got to the to the final, the FA Cup final, where they narrowly lost to West Ham. And uh, Howard Kendall played in that and was the youngest player at the time. He probably still is to have played in a in an FA Cup final. Um, so that's really that, that game from my memories. I say it was more the occasion than the, uh, the, the, the memories of the game itself. But uh, it was certainly great that we've seen that first floodlit game and then uh, I really enjoyed that one and games in the future that were under lights. So that's my first game. Good stuff, yeah. A lot of people in the chat saying exactly the same. Uh, used to love a night game, says Gary. Uh, the smell of the brewery. Ah, happy days. Uh, <laughs> Stu, another man who likes the smell of a brewery. Quite right, or I smell like a brewery. One of the two. <laughs> Actually, I thought that first picture that we had up earlier from uh, George, uh, we, we looked a bit like you were here. 
Which one? The, I've, I've deleted it now, but it was definitely oh, the, yeah, the people, the, the the people who watched the show back. Yeah, the old footballer. Yeah, it was definitely yeah. the, I had a little likeness to you there, mate. Could have been a relation. Right, I'll, I'll grow it again and just to prove <laughs> a point. Right, the, the, the first game, I was torn between two. So, with it being the retro show, I went back as far as I possibly could. And I got the 31st of January, 1987. <laughs> Only about 40 years. Yeah, it's still quite good going, isn't it? Uh, I was still 12 at the time, and it was the fourth round of the FA Cup, uh, and we were playing Preston. Now, when I was looking at the season, uh, I found some really remarkable uh, stats and memorable <laughs> stats from that season, not just covering Newcastle. So I thought I'd jot them down, I'd read them out. Uh, just That was the year that Alex Ferguson, or that season Alex Ferguson, took over at Man United. So this is how far back. See, I think this is far back. It's like yesterday for them too, isn't it? But yeah. uh, I, I just thought it was like ages ago. Alex Ferguson, 26 years, and he's left about seven years ago now, whatever. So he took over at Man, uh, Man United. Everton won the league. So all these things wouldn't happen now. Arsenal won the League Cup for the first time in their history. They uh, currently win the FA Cup. If you, if you remember, it was that classic 3-2 game yeah. against Tottenham. I think it was Keith Houchin scored the winner, one of the, the diving header. Uh, Killer yeah. Klein played for them that day as well. I remember that. Yeah. The three teams that got relegated are teams that are now light years ahead of us. And they, they got relegated that season and we didn't. Uh, it was Aston Villa, Leicester and Manchester City. Wow. So, I don't see that happening for a long time. Not the same three at the same time. That year, Norwich finished. I feel something like tune start. Looking at that year, they put the accent on that. That year, Norwich finished fifth, Luton seventh, and Wimbledon were tenth. Uh, Newcastle went on a nine-game unbeaten run just after this game, actually, um, which saved our season because it looked like we were going down. And it was inspired by Pedro and Gaza and Goddard, and that's when Goddard scored all those goals in a row. Uh, but I thought I'd save the best stat to last, and that was when. Laurie Mack took the Mackhams down for the first time in their history to the old third division. Not the last time, but the first time in their history. So I just thought I'd rattle all them out. Now, Preston were in the fourth division, which is the second division now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in the second division, so the, the old fourth division. And the round before, they'd beaten Middlesbrough. And where we're in the first division, although we weren't doing well, the, the gap is, is huge. You know, you talk about 70-odd league places between us. So Newcastle should win at a canter. But to this day, uh, every time I'm back in Newcastle and talk with the Heat and we're talking about football, we always talk about this game and Preston and the fact that, again, and I'll repeat to this day, they were the best away fans I'd seen at St. James's Park and all the times I'd been there. It was, it was their cup final, wasn't it? And... They brought five. The crowd was just over 30,000, which was good in those days. You know, when it was the uh, standard, most of it, wasn't it? And 5,000 had come up from Lancashire. And they had, for those who were at the game, they'd released gold and white balloons when they come out. And, and they're just non-stop singing. They had the, the other leases when it was small. Not the picture that Steve showed, the, the small leases when it was standing. That they'd filled that. And honestly, the atmosphere they generated was, was amazing. Uh, and I haven't, honestly, I haven't seen away fans make as much noise as that. Uh, so anyway, the the three division gap was apparent. We, we kicked off and and we started peppering their goal. I mean, they did have one chance that uh, I can't even remember who was in goal. I think that year it would have been like Thomas or Carr or someone like that. 
but uh, no, we'll Gary, have, Kelly have, uh, in, Gary Kelly in '87. No, it was someone with a tash. If I remember right, and Gary Kelly no. shaved his oh. belly, didn't he? So you never had oh. a tash. So. Yeah, I might have been. I might have had to been uh, car. Just always seems late, doesn't it? '87 for him. Uh, I was around about that Gary Kelly, Dave McKellar. You know those kind of years, but yeah, go on, man. Sorry, I, I just thought it was Martin Thomas for some reason. Might have been, yeah. I could, I, I could be Maybe. But anyway, he's he's made a save. But then after that, John Anderson, who used to play for uh, Preston as well, he was trying his luck. Ando was trying his luck, blasting them from twenty yards and everything else. But we get uh, Gaza wasn't playing that day, and that that's who we were relying on most. The senior was only a Ben as well, wasn't he? But uh, he was replaced by. Oh, was it Bogey? Was it Bogey that replaced him? Yeah, that day? Bogey. Yeah, Ian Bogey, but I don't know Ian if he replaced Bogey. him that day. No, it was Andy Thomas. Andy Thomas, the Welsh, Welsh fella. He was brought in to replace Gascoigne. Uh, and we thought, right, we'll get the half time and still knows each. We should we should have been battering these. So the the you I'll, I'll know who scored it. Glenn Rhoda scored the first goal. There was a, a cross come in and the keeper fumbled it. And Rhoda was the, the furthest forward. And he, he swung his leg that hard. If he'd missed the ball, the, the keeper would have been decapitated for sure. And it, it hit the roof of the net. He was only about two yards out as well. So that put us up. And if, if you remember, the, the pitch was frozen. This is before under soil heating and everything else. So it was really hard, uh, hard on the foot. And the winner was scored by the centre forward. It must have been Goddard. God, yeah, it was Goddard. Sarge got the, the winner. There was a, a cross come over and the, the man who was infamous for not being a very good centre-forward, Tony Cunningham, he, re- he met the cross and if you, re- uh, well, I can remember anyway, he went, it looked like he was trying to head it towards the goal, but there was not enough power on it. And uh, Goddard nipped in, flicked it past the keeper and we're, and we're tuning it up. So we're comfortable and we're in uh, the next round. And again, I, I just, even now I'm thinking about the, the noise the Preston fans were making, I was so impressed with them. But the next round uh, was when we drew Tottenham away and we took 12,000 and we got beat 1-0. So it was always, this was going to be our year, wasn't it? It was every, every year was, was going to be our year. And then and I honestly thought, well, you know, we had an easy round, I think it was Northampton the round before, and then we've, we've beat Preston. Tottenham away was a bit more difficult, but, you know, it was the cup and we travelled in thousands to, to watch us get knocked out as usual. But... That was my first game, and it was probably one of the first games I can remember. Probably I'd only been going for about two seasons, uh, but I was only yeah, I was still twelve at the time then, in uh, January nineteen eighty-seven. So that was it. That was great good. stuff. Yeah, good stuff, uh, Mitch. Uh, over to you for your first game, man. Okay, I've, I've gone different. Everybody else, I've gone Blackpool for my first game. I'm not going that too far back. Um, both of these games are from the same season. The to see 2009-10 under Hutton, the promotion season. Um, both games are midweek games under lights as well to just continue a theme because it's something I've, I rattle on about every now and again about how, how much I love a, a game under lights. Um, the first one's 60th of September 2009. We went down to Blackpool and I think this was an early indicator of the kind of things we would face that season and would have to overcome. Um we went down to Blackpool, we were playing well, we'd, we'd, we'd done really well, uh, started the season superbly, went down. Um, actually, the other thing about this game, it's the first game and only game I've ever been to in a, in a full suit because I'd been, I'd been examining in town and then had to go down and get a bus and I got the bus with the, 
It was one of them. And Des Buses got, got it with Jamie, Fenner, and a few other lads. Um, got, got down to the ground. Um, and it was the debut with the blue and black third shirt that we had that season, yeah. that night. Yeah. Uh, I went to Milan strip. Sadly, it didn't go well. Um, I've got to say, the whole game, we just weren't at the races. And it was kind of a wake-up call that we needed because we'd won so many games really without having to try very hard. And Blackpool really played with an energy. They were up for it. But they played it like we're in the cup and the big boys are coming to town. You know, they, they put up, they, they had a um, temporary stand at the side that we were all in. That wasn't particularly um, reassuring, shall we say, in its construction. Um you could feel the whole bloody thing wobble when people went down to the loo or again get a pie. Um, but under the lights, and I think it was uh, Holloway was the manager at Blackpool, and he really, really had them up for it. Um, however, in the first half, we actually opened the scoring against the run of play. Uh, Blackpool had wasted a load of chances. I, I double-checked the stats uh, for the game, and at, at half-time, uh, they had 13 shots and we had one. Um, and it, so it shows how against the run of play it was. Carol nodded home, was a, from across a from Guthrie. The stand was wobbling all over the place. Everybody's gone mental. Uh, so you think, okay, this is it. But then the second half, or the, the first half ended in injury time. Omer had poked home a rebound from Charlie Adams' shot. And it was actually the first goal we had conceded in 545 minutes. Off for those days at the moment, eh? Um, but we hadn't conceded in 545 minutes. However, we conceded a second 15 minutes into the second half with a Jason Ewell who used to haunt me when he was at bloody Wimbledon. Um, and despite the late rally, we had a Ranger F had cleared off the line pretty much on the last minute. Um, we really weren't at the races. But it was an interesting wake-up call that what we were going to face sometimes that season that we had to overcome. We were playing a side that really didn't have a prolific centre-forward, yet we scored goals. and The goals were shared around. We had Nolan popping up, uh, contributing. You had other players in the midfield contributing to the goal count. Um, and a funny mix of strikers with young Carroll starting to get a reputation and players like Marlon Harewood, who was pretty much an unsung hero that season for me, really. Yeah. He did a lot of graft, a lot of graft. Um but while I was researching it, and this just sums up what we faced, because it wasn't just from the other teams, there were certain sections of the media were loving the fact we got relegated. And this is from a report in The Guardian of the match by somebody called Simon Williams, who I've got no idea who he is. Uh, he's not a sports reporter I know particularly well. But if this is his style of writing, I know why I don't know him particularly well. His opening paragraph for his match report was, the championship has eagerly awaited the moment that Newcastle United fell flat on their face following relegation. And that was his opening sentence. Um, and that Simon attitude... Williams from Silksworth. <laughs> uh, probably. As far as I know. But I mean, it, it, if, it, if, it been, if it had been Louise Taylor, I would have believed it. Yeah. But, but it wasn't, you know. And that was the attitude we faced. The people were reveling in the fact we'd got relegated. And, they were, and then we, we turned around in, like I say, 545 minutes without conceding a goal. And we looked like we were going to canter away with it. Um, but that was the, 
it just summed up what was to come and what we had to put ourselves through. Because you've got to remember, in the championship, the games come thick and fast. It's 46 games. You're playing most midweeks. Um, and it's a, it's a gruelling slog. It's why it's a quagmire of a bloody... It's like quicksand, the division. Once you get... The more you struggle, the further you get pulled in. Um, and so that, that's my first game, Blackpool under lights. Um, not a win, but a lesson learned. Great stuff. And uh, as always, we give a big thank you to our main sponsors <coughs> for uh, NUFC Matters. A uh, big shout out to Spider VPN. If you Google them, they come up at the top of the uh, Google search for all your internet protection, to protect your phone numbers, photos, whatever you've got on your computer. Google Spider VPN. They are the boys to trust. Also, a big thank you to skipsandbins.com. Telephone 0800 25 Email inquiries at skipsandbins.com. Website www.skipsandbins.com. Easy contract free and pay as you go waste collection. And to LNG Family Funeral Directors, 0191 389 7245. Also, a big thanks to John at qtechshop.co.uk, the makers of pool tables and snooker tables and walls end in Newcastle. And of course, the guy who runs our website, nufcmatters.com. Also, a big shout out to John at Jab Signature, who makes all of our flyers. If you want to subscribe, hit the Newcastle Legends logo in the bottom right-hand corner. And that's it. You can subscribe for free. We do seven shows a week. Hit the thumb up to like the video. Click share to share your social media and drop into the comments box to post something uh, on the screen or to chat to the like-minded Newcastle fans you have in the chat. And a uh, couple of things on the website uh, NewcastleLegends.com and that is some events uh, which suit the retro theme uh, and even with Gavin Peacock on Friday the 29th of October tickets £15 NewcastleLegends.com just click the shop and uh, we also have an evening with Peter Beardsley uh, which will be uh, £20 and the tickets are NewcastleLegends.com click the shop to buy your tickets for that that's Friday the 26th of November. And the Christmas do, which is selling rather fast. Tickets for that, £12. Evening with Supermac as well included. A lot of the people from NUFC Matters will be there. Tickets, £12. All proceeds go to the food bank from that event. And that is November the 19th. So quite a busy end of the year with us getting out and about with former legends and a chance to meet quite a few of the people off the show as well. Okay, George, back to you for your second story. Yeah, it- before I do that, Steve mentioned one or two things which uh, um, hark back memories to me, like Peter Thompson. Peter Thompson played for Liverpool. Well, well, he was he was a schoolboy the same year as I was, and he played for Cumberland when I played for Northumberland. And we faced each other at Carlisle when the two counties played each other. And ju- during a half-time, as happened so often with these schoolboy games, Peter went off with another lad called David Oliphant, who ended up going to Preston as well. They both signed for Preston at half-time and then didn't come back when somebody else came on instead of them. And I got so used to that sort of thing happening with schoolboys. But uh, but Peter Thompson was uh, uh, was a nice lad and, and so was David Oliphant, as it happened, who I got to know quite well. But brought back some memories, Steve, anyway. Um, yeah. Saturday the 24th of December, 55, Christmas Eve, and uh, the uh, Chicken Road Academy were going back to see Preston again. Uh, and I was being encouraged to look at for various things. But the big thing I was being encouraged to look about was uh, a man called Tom Finney was actually playing for Preston at that weekend. And also in the team was uh, Tommy Thompson, who used to be, uh, the season before, was a Newcastle player. 
Um, and Toby Doherty was in the team again. Um, and a, a young centre forward called Taylor, who eventually became quite a, a prolific scorer for Manchester United. Um, so th there was lots to, to watch in, in, in this particular game. Um, an interesting game, 37,976. And as I say, one of the things we're looking for, for me anyway, and increase my education, was to watch Tom Finney. Well, I think I've sent some pictures of Finney, uh, Steve. Um, yeah. There's one where he's heading the ball. I don't know if you want to put that up. Well, I don't mind which, which goes up first. Yeah, just bear with us and keep talking. I'll get them up. Okay. Um, uh, there he is. That, and that's the actual game. That's that's at St James's Park. That's the actual game uh, we he played in, and uh, he uh, he certainly caused a lot of trouble. But it was who's that in the background, George? Uh, the Newcastle player. Um, yeah. it's, um, it's Patterson. It's the it's the lad we bought from Doncaster, the centre half. Bill ah, Patterson. right, right. That's who it is. Not a not a familiar one, uh, but because uh, he wasn't with me very long. Um, the match was, was interesting, as I say, 37,900 in the ground. Uh, but the match was lit up by, by one, of, one of our stars, of course, Bobby Mitchell. He, he, he took the game by the scruff of the neck and gave the back called Wilson a nightmare of a, of a game. He set up two goals for Keeble, uh, two for Milburn, and scored the fifth one himself. So 3-0 um, at half-time, 5-0 at final. Uh, it was a particularly a, a good game. And of course, we were the cup holders then and still managed by Dougie Livingstone. The team was Simpson, Batty, McMichael, Schooler, Patterson, Casey, Milburn, Reg Davis, Vic Keeble, uh, Bill Curry and uh, Bobby Mitchell. Bill Curry, a local lad who really should have made more of, of his career at Newcastle. I don't know why it didn't happen. Um, but he, he, when he was on, he, he, he did very well, but didn't seem to last very, very long. Um, but uh, as I say, if, although they were on the wrong end of a thrashing, Finney was still magnificent to watch. Uh, his dribbling skills and he, he marshalling the, the, the rest of his team to try and get back in the game. Uh, have you got the, any, any other pictures there, Steve? There's, a, there's the one with where he's in the water. Now, that's, that's an iconic Tom Finney picture. That's at Stamford Bridge. Now, could you imagine today playing? In a pitch, get even getting started on a pitch like that. I mean, there are lots of modern things which uh, drive me crackers in football now. But the one thing that I appreciate as much as anything is where the technology has helped the pitches, uh, help help the grounds. I mean, sometimes even when we've had a rugby game on our pitch, you would never guess the next time you go. It's 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 repaired and it's done, and and the technology that's gone into that is incredible. I mean, our pitch at St James's is 75% grass and 25% plastic. I don't think people realise there was plastic at St James's Park. Um, but it helps to bind it all together. It makes it easier for the grass to grow. And, of course, to have these uh, sun lamps that they put on the pitch at night and to get the grass grown all the time. So uh, so that's one bit of technology I do appreciate. There's other bits of technology in terms of modern football. Um, they can know I can stick them as far as I'm concerned. Um, uh, there's another one of Finney. The, the, there's a another picture which is uh, you know that's that's the sculpture outside Deepdale, 
and the sculpture is actually mimicked the 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 the, the finny in the in the water at Stamford Bridge, and you can see that they've used a fountain to to make the spray, and Tom Finney's there, and uh, I think that's a, a very clever piece of sculpture, uh, mm-hmm. and because that's an iconic uh, Finney uh, picture. Um, is there another one, Steve? I think there might be. Ah, boots. That's a pair of Finney's boots. Now, uh, I don't think any of you lads have worn any of them, but I certainly have. And you see the leather studs in the bottom. They're all right when they're new like that. But if a, if a couple of the bits of leather on the on the bottom come off, you're left with raw nails, nothing protecting them. And I've got a couple of tramline scars across my thigh, which come from one of those going right across my thigh when I was playing in a game. Um, and it's little wonder I've got bad feet. It's a James's Park. They used to buy our boots, two sizes too small, right? So you put the boots on with your socks and you sat in a bucket of warm water for about three or four weeks when you went for training so that the boots softened and got welded to your foot. And it it, it they reckoned it was a good idea. It was bloody torture. And as I say, I've, I've got horrible feet because of it, you know. Um, and of course, then they started doubling the, the, the leather, so the leather got soft. And I have to say, it, it, in terms of uh, whether it worked, you certainly had a boot that fitted if, if you went through that process. But that's that's a pair of Finney's boots, which are pretty typical of that era and, and typical of what, uh, for the next few years, I used. Uh, but as I say, once the... The leather on the studs start to weigh at the bottom. You were left with two two sets of nails, which could just rip your leg apart. As I say, I've got a, a tramline scar across my right thigh, which uh, was left uh, left there by somebody uh, uh, making a particularly uh, enthusiastic challenge. Um, is there any more pictures on that one, Steve? No, that, I'll talk about that one. The other lads have talked about the Blackpool games. Okay, can I come back to that one? Yeah. Um, so 5-0, brilliant game, and as I say, the star Bobby Mitchell turned Preston inside out. Um, Bill Patterson, who was in that picture, and who I say we, we got from Doncaster and was uh, bought to replace Frank Brennan. The poor lad never had a chance. He, was, he wasn't a Frank Brennan-style centre-half. He, he was more a football centre-half. Uh, like in the mould of people like Albert people like that who wanted to play football, he, he wasn't a hard nut like Frank Brennan was. And of course, he was being judged by fans on on what Brennan was like, as though he should be the same. And unfortunately, it didn't work. So the poor lad was shipped off the Rangers fairly soon after he arrived here. Um, but I gather he was he was quite a nice lad. Uh, I've mentioned uh, Bill Curry. Somebody I haven't mentioned very much in the games that I've, I've chosen and been in quite a lot of the teams was little Reg Davis, who was a, a will-o'-the-wisp, a really skinny uh, little fella, but what a clever little footballer. Played for Wales for many years and uh, didn't just uh, uh, wasn't just a clever player. He could also get the odd goal and, and uh, his number of assists be... Um, Astronomical, but he but he also slipped in the odd goal at the crucial times as well. So it was good to see Reg Davis at the team that was winning. Um, the other bit to say about uh, about Preston was that uh, Tommy Duckett once again was employed to try and 
um, slow Bobby Mitchell down in the second half. Well, it never happened because he couldn't get near Bobby Mitchell. <laughs> when Bobby was on his form, uh, he, he was annoying because he would beat somebody and then he'd go back and beat them again just to show you how good he was. And he used to drive you up the wall. Uh, however, it, when it came off, the, the fans were absolutely purring, you know. Uh, and the dressing, I said, got uh, Tommy Doggett on the lat side of the field to try and slow Bobby down. Where he, it was a waste of time because Bobby just couldn't be touched. So, um, as I say, 37,976 on Christmas Eve, December 55. And the corners slaughtered Preston. They weren't expected to, but they did. Thank you. That's number two. Great stuff, uh, George, and um, <clears throat> lots of people saying I hope Mr. Hasty's well. Steve is, he's just having a well-deserved yes. break. Um, there's, uh, you know, it, it's up to Steve to, to speak about, uh, you know, what, what, what he's taking a yeah. break for. But from his perspective, everything's fine. Don't worry about it. He just needs a little bit of a break, needs a rest. So, yes, thank you for the concern and the chat. Uh, and I'm sure Steve will be back fighting fit very soon. Steve Wilkinson, over to you, mate. Yeah, well, a little bit of symmetry to my games tonight. Um, I, I talked in the first time about the first time I'd seen Newcastle play Preston in the League Cup. And the uh, second game is the, is the last time I saw Newcastle play Preston in the League Cup, which was back in October 2016. And uh, both teams were a, a championship teams at that time. Uh, we, we, it was the time when we relegated after, after Rafa failed to keep us up. But uh, only at Newcastle could you play a, a League Cup match and have nearly 50,000. It was over 49,000 something in, in the ground. So two championship teams playing the fifth round of the Cup. Uh, you, you know, as you know, usually League Cup crowds are small. But here we have two championship teams and there's, there's nearly 50,000 in the ground. So only at Newcastle could that happen. Now, there's a saying that uh, you, you don't realise the value of something you've got till it's gone. And I think that, that very much applies to this game because... They, we actually won the game 6-0 and, and five of the six goals were scored by three players who were, uh, I think, probably split the fans on, on the views of them at the time. Um, Modi Army, Alexander Mitrovic and Eosi Perez. Um, and, you know, while, while we don't have them now, I think anybody would take them gladly into the team for that we've got today and put those three into the team and be, be much happier than the squad we've currently got. Um, so the game itself, um, the game started with a I think we, as well, as well as we scored six, we probably could have could have probably had nine or ten. Um, we we're really all over them and played some good football. And uh, I think before we even scored, uh, Isaac Hayden had hit the post, and then uh, we got a free kick, um, which Matt Ritchie put in, and uh, Mitrovic uh, soared above the defence. The defence didn't mark him at all, and he and he, and he headed into the into the net. So good good goal to get us started. Just about twenty minutes. Um, something that probably compounded the. The, the fact that they, uh, they we, we dominated the game was that Preston went down to ten men after just under half an hour. Um, as it's the as it's the retro show, I can I can refer to names like Kent Walton, Mick McManus, Steve Logan, and Jackie Palo, wrestlers of the sixties <laughs> and seventies. And uh, Alan Brown did a forearm smash, more more suited to the, the wrestling ring than it was to the the face of Jack Colbeck, who he who he clobbered, and uh, that got him a straight red. So pressing were down to 10 men within the half hour and, and that just added to the strength that we had of, of dominating the game. Um, the the, uh, the second goal came uh, just before 40 minutes and it was, it was a cracking goal and it was actually uh, Diomi's first goal for Newcastle. Uh, Mitrovic was surging through the middle, tried to put a, a through ball into, uh, I think Hayden was running at the box, he tried to pass through to him and got blocked and broke to, uh, to 
the army who just hit a right foot shot, right a bullet shot, right along the ground at the bottom bottom corner of the net. Uh, a good goal. So we went in the half time two 0 up. Um, in the second half, uh, just before ten minutes, um, Matt Ritchie was going at the penalty area, brought down, and uh, stood up to get the penalty. And it's it's a game people might remember was when. Uh, Rivet spat his dummy out was wanting to take the penalty and he and he, and he had a right strop one and they had trying to plead it pleading with he praying like this to say please give me the ball and all sorts of things. Well, obviously Matt Ritchie had been domin- nominated as the penalty take and he wasn't having anything of it. Shoved it up his jumper and uh, told uh, told Mitrovic where to go. So Matt Ritchie took the penalty. It was one of those ones you say, well he better score now, but he, and he certainly did. He walked it at the roof of the net and uh, that made it three nil. A few minutes later. Um, Mitrovic actually got a got a goal himself to uh, make him a lot more happy, and it was it was a pretty good goal actually because he, he he took a cross from the right, chested it down, uh, good ball control, close in, which was one of the things he was good at. I think I think Rafa wasn't keen on him. He's he's getting forward and he's in his pace running around the pitch, but if, in the penalty area he had pretty good close control. He chested it down and then uh, sort of sidestepped two players, and then actually the goalkeeper last and just banged it in the net from about six yards. So that made four nil. Um, and then we went to uh, what was probably the goal of the game, I think. And, and it was it was one of those you, when you when you're on the sideline, you always want to be right behind the goal, and you see the flight of it. And it was another goal by the army. Uh, he, he picked it up just on the halfway line and, and strode into the uh, into the other half, opposition half. Uh, we're attacking the Gallagher end at this time, and he and he just let fly almost in his stride um, with a with a curling right foot shot that just just whipped into the bottom corner. The keeper was almost helpless. And it was it was right in line with where I sit, so it was a you could see the flight of the ball. It was fantastic. And then the final goal was right on the on the finish. Uh, we got a corner on the, on the left. Uh, by this time, uh, Shelby had come on uh, as as a sub, and uh, Lionel Perez, Iosi Perez, had come on, and um, <laughs> Lionel Perez. <laughs> Mem- <laughs> memories of the past. <laughs> um, and. Uh, the, the, the ball was headed out and uh, Perez p- picked it up on the edge of the penalty and just slotted in the bottom corner and uh, that made it 6-0 and, uh, you know, a resounding victory and uh, strange enough, like like the first game I talked about uh, where we, we played Preston in uh, successive games, we also did this time and uh, it, we played down a deep deal on the Saturday after that in, in a league game and, and, and went on to win that. Um that was the fifth round. We got us in the quarter final, and I think we thought, with, uh, even in the, as a championship team, we could go somewhere in the league. And it was a, a, a sort of game to remember, a game to forget. I think uh, when we played Hull, and uh, even though we were winning at one time again from a goal by Diarmi, um, we ended up uh, losing the game on penalties, just because, as you know, we don't ever win penalty shootouts. So uh, that was my second game, uh, Newcastle six, Preston nil in October 2016. Great stuff. Okay, Stu, on to you for your second. The second one was a choice between two 4-1 wins versus Blackpool. So the one I chose was a reverse fixture to the one that Mitch talked about before. And the reason I chose it is this is the game I drove back from Tenerife to Newcastle. And yes, I did drive back. Uh, me, I decided to leave there and come back to the UK. And I was... The, the company I was working for didn't want us to leave, so they got me a, a job in the in the lakes. So I said, right, I need three weeks. And I'm going to drive back. So we head off at the end of March. Uh, Robbie One Punch come with us. He decided that he was having enough of Tenerife as well. Uh, we loaded up the Tureg, all, all my life's belongings, and 
off we went from Tenerife South to Tenerife North in the car, got the ferry to Cadiz. Um, then we turned left and we went to Portugal to Albufeira, Quinta de Lago. I'd, I'd worked there for a summer two years previously to, to help the, the team out there. Uh, so I'd made some friends. I thought, well, you know, it's not on the way home, but it's near enough. So we had a, a few <sighs> joyous days, I should say. It's probably the best way to explain it in, in uh, Portugal. Then we had to get down and knuckle down to the business of driving back the, back through Portugal, through Spain. So as we're driving, I can never pronounce this right, but we're driven for about, I think it was about 12 hours. And it was north of Madrid. It's a town. They've got a team in the league, but I keep pronouncing it wrong. It's Valladolid. Valladolid. Yeah, that's easy, isn't it? We stopped in there. It wasn't a Yunker, but it was It was somewhere like that, you know. It, it was like just a bed. So it was just something to put my head down. It was, but it was disgusting. We put it, we took the cases out of the car in case it got, uh, in case it got uh, broken into. And yeah, I remember Robbie put his case on the on the bed, and all this dust come up. You know that's how that's how often these these rooms were used. So we we just slept and we were close. We didn't even want to shower there. So then we we drove from there through Spain, through the Pyrenees, uh, stopped off in Bordeaux, and we had a meal there. And then we were trying to plot what we should do. We should we uh, drive up through to Paris? We went past to go past the Mons on the way. Do we do we stop at Paris, etc., and have a night there? But we were leaving, uh, shall we say, we didn't want to leave a footprint with credit cards to the Spanish authorities when we're on our way back. So we're, we're, working, we're, working, on, we're working on limited budgets. So uh, we we decided, no, we'll just keep driving. And this this trip, right, there was, there was end up being, we worked out, it would take us, I think, to drive all the way through from when we left that Spanish place, Valona did. Valid, valid. I'll, I'll get it right at the end anyway. Validated. Uh, when, <laughs> so I went, he did I tell you. So I end up driving. Have a, have a couple of 19, drinks, Stu. Have a couple of drinks. I end up driving yeah. 19 hours straight. I'll end up looking like the joke if I keep drinking this red wine. <laughs> so we end up driving 19 hours, of which I did 16 of them. And we've got to Cali. Uh, and. Again, to stay in a hotel, they needed credit card verification. We got near Cali, about three hours from it. We needed credit card validation of, of uh, to, for us to stay. So we're not look. I'll just do. I'll press on, and we and we drove. Uh, we had to have the windows down for special cigarettes purposes, and we got to Cali. And uh, when we got when we got there, the the customs took. Uh, I have to be very careful. I will say this. They took a look at us. Now, bear in mind, we've been on the road for quite a while. We had hoodies on and beards and shaving heads and everything. Well, mine was. And, uh, and they said, right, lads, your car's coming over here. And everyone else. And I remember at the time, Man United were playing Bayern Munich in the Champions League. And there was loads of Bayern Munich fans on, on ferries, on the, sorry, in the coaches. And they were lifting up the sides of the coaches. And it was just crates of beer. And they're all, oh, do you want to be on? Well, we better not, like, you know, we're trying not to look, uh, we're trying to look rather innocuous rather than suspicious. So they, they as we were going through, we went the, what was new at the time was the tunnel, you know, the, the, where you can get on and go through the train. So we thought we'd give that a go. But the the, the customs like, no, you've got to, you've got your, and they're just pointless to this. It was like, uh, 
old-fashioned car wash, you know, where like just four corners, four pillars with uh, metal things erected, I suppose. But there was no roof on it. And all of a sudden, as soon as we parked the car on there, these shut it was like shutters in reverse coming up. And, and that was it. There was like right out the car. Uh, you have drugs, you have this, you have that. <laughs> like, you're about two hours too late now. I've got nothing. Behind. I don't know what you're talking about. So they, they searched the car, uh, and they even like underneath they had the the bit where the steps you could walk down. And they were looking in the petrol tank and everything. And he says, uh, "What's in your petrol tank?" And I says, "It's diesel." He says, "What's in your diesel tank?" And I says, "Diesel." And then he was like, "No." And they were searching, and they, they kept us there for hours. And every time we tried to sit forward, they pointed guns at us. You have to stay here. And they just couldn't prove that we had anything. And they end up breaking pictures out of the kids and that, which wasn't nice, you know, when they were going through the cases and that. But eventually they let us on. We got on the the tunnel tunnel thing, uh, got out, and then I've got a left-hand drive car, and I'm back in the UK. And I'm like, oh, man, <laughs> this is a bit difficult. <laughs> so, so we end up, and if I had no sleep at this stage, I think we'd been on the road for about 28 hours driving and sitting in Cali. Uh, we ended up getting into, it was orthopedics in fact, sorry. We ended up getting in Peterborough, that's as far as we could drive. And we just stopped in the Tesco car park, it was about five in the morning, and just crashed out, slept. Woke up, drove all the way to Newcastle, got there on the afternoon, well, six o'clock in the afternoon, on the Thursday, the April the 8th, which was my birthday. And then we rested and went out for the Newcastle versus Blackpool. And our promotion season, where I better talk about the game now, I suppose, where we won, <laughs> we won four one, we won four one, and the, the the score, the scoreline, the game was as comfortable and as comprehensive as the scoreline suggested. It was a, it was really, really a comfortable game, and I know Mitch, what you said about the first game where they raised their game for us, but by this time, I think Newcastle had worked out how to win in this game and win in this league and, and win easy. And and it was great. You no, know, just walking back into St James's Park, and the sun was shining, and you know there was a forty odd thousand, I think nearly fifty thousand crowd there. They were playing Blackpool. You know, in my time growing up, you wouldn't have thought you'd get crowds like that for for games against Blackpool, especially in the, in the lower league. Um, the the first goal was scored by uh, Jonas. It was deflected, but he he got the credit for it. Uh, the second one was a uh, Danny Guthrie free kick. Crossed and Andy Carroll headed home. Guffrey was getting a run in the team instead of Barton. I don't know if there'd been some fallout or something more than likely, but he was getting a run in the team for instead of Barton. Then uh, the for the third goal, Kevin Nolan, he ended the game as a contest. He, he it was again it was a great pass by Jonas and then uh, Nolan slotted it away. Uh, we scored again. Wayne Routledge he, he rifled home for the fourth and. They scored late on. What was that really lanky beanpole player that played for them? Um, not Crouch, or Ormeroid. Well, Ormeroid. Ormeroid. Yeah, Ormeroid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he scored near the end, but the game was over. You know, and like I say, we'd, we needed uh, four points after that game to, from three games to guarantee we'd already been promoted. So it was, you know, it was a bit like off and bet we've been promoted and uh, we're going home. And we got we got the stage where we just needed to win one game because we had a massive goal difference on the team that was third. They were never going to catch us anyway. Um, so it was like we're going to the Premier League. It was a special mention that day because it was uh, uh, Lovacrans and Jonas. Both of them played really, really well. You know, there was probably one of their better performances for Newcastle. 
So just like they mentioned, the, the, uh, those two. But it was game finished, then seeing friends I hadn't seen for a few months or since Christmas when I'd flown over. It was a lot easier doing that. And that was it. Premier League, here we come. So that was my second story. Great stuff, mate. Uh, Which was it is. believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic stuff. All right, uh, Mitch, over to you for your final story, mate. Hey, hey, you'd think we rehearsed this, but I promise everybody we haven't. My second no, game... No, we don't. That's what makes it, That's what makes it great. My, my second game's against Preston. It's my only trip to detail, Monday the 23rd of November 2009. Now, uh, about 10 weeks on from my first game against Blackpool, and sort of at the halfway, getting close to Christmas, and this sort of sums up about the evolution of that team in that season as the learned how to cope with all this shit in the championship, where everybody seemed to be against it, everybody seemed to be up for it. All the journalists were writing crap like that lad was. They were desperate to see we fail. Um, this game really is memorable for being one of the ugliest games of football I've ever seen. It was horrible. This was If you wanted Siri to describe an ugly win, this game would come up. There was a trek on a Monday night under lights again. I think Jamie drove us down. I think we went down together. Um, and the, in the early part of that season, we had to learn how to win games. When we were talking about Sheffield United away the other day. That was another ugly win where we held on in the last 10 minutes and half. I made some fantastic saves. Um, the, the key point of this game was, I'm sure this is the game combined with wanting to make changes to how we played, where Hewton realised our squad was a little bit thin. This game, we were injury hit going into this game. And then we even lost Ryan Taylor in the warm-up. He had to be pulled out and be, and be replaced. Um, Andy Carroll played, even though he'd been in his sickbed for two days. He'd had some sort of stomach bug. Um, and I think we lost Danny Simpson just after half-time as well. You know, and this, The team and the bench was looking really, really thin. And I think that was part of the motivation after the Christmas where he made about six or seven signings in the January, many of which Stu's just mentioned there. You know, the difference they made to the squad, the how we played. The game itself, like I say, antithesis of an ugly win. It was horrible. It was scrappy. No team was any particularly good. Um, the winning goal came on 74 minutes. Guthrie. Now, there's a name, you know. Since we started, since I've started researching for this show, Realising how involved in that championship winning side Guthrie was and how many goals he made and how many crosses were involved with him. Um, I think really underrated and I think I've probably underrated him as well. He crossed into Hayward. Hayward she did this thing where he kind of just shielded the ball just to lay it off. He barely touched it. And then Nolan ran onto it and stuck it into the bottom corner. And I, and I remember him jumping into the crowd and you know the celebrations went on for ages. And it was a fantastic... Uh, fantastic feeling and a win, but a really ugly win. But I think one where we'd obviously worked out how to win ugly until we worked out, Hutton was saying what we needed to add. And I remember talking to Biffer after the game, funny enough, they had this bar nearby Preston, which seemed to have no license in ours. And we were there for ages. And, 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 uh, and Biffer made a comment, and I think he put it in his comment on .com, on the match report. Uh, two things were very apparent. One, was was our fluid system without a dedicated centre-forward, other than Carroll, who was still a kid then, was it fluid or was it just ragged? You know, 
was there a system or was it just did things just happen? And the, and the biggest question he was asking is, it's not a question about it now, about whether we're good enough to stay up, to, sorry, to go up. It's a question about, are we bad enough to stay down? Because it was clear there was a big gap between our ability when we were on song and everybody else in that division that season. There was a real gulf of class. Um, and, and that was the, the overriding memory of that. But it was interesting to see how that, by the time the season end came, we were taking teams that had given a rough ride early in the season apart. And we were doing it home and away by then. You know, it, we'd learned how to do the ugly stuff. That then allowed we to play the football. Uh, and that, that whole season, the team evolved in interesting ways. Um, and, and, and that season, for me, is one of my favourite seasons following the team home and away, without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. And like I said last week, the friends you make in, in that situation and the times you have and the experiences you have, that's what matters. That's what makes Newcastle United special and our fan base special and I wouldn't swap it for the world. Yeah, yeah, great stuff. Some great stories tonight. And uh, George, before we go on to our regular segments, let's uh, let's just touch base on uh, those other photographs that you sent us. Yes. Well, it seemed to be to to, to talk about Blackpool on a retro show and not even mention Stanley Matthews would have been would have been a bit harsh, I think. Yes, two lads might never have seen him. Actually, not many Newcastle fans could have seen him. Because one of the things about Stan Matthews was. He didn't like playing at St James's Park. There's all sorts of stories about that. One of them that I've heard from, from people at St James's Park was he didn't like the fact that the crowd were very close to him when he was taking corners. And the Gallagher corner used to take Mickey out of him about his racehorses, I gather, and he didn't, he didn't like that. But he, he didn't come to Newcastle very often either for Stoke or for Blackpool. That's a picture of him shaking hands with Billy Bremen. Now, there's a personal story in that for me. Because when I played for the North of England uh, boys against the South of Scotland boys, um, Billy Bremner played on the right wing for the South of Scotland boys. Actually, they, they cheated with it. They actually played the full Scottish team, not just the South of Scotland team, to give them a run out before they played the full England team. And Billy Bremner was on the right wing. And he gave Jimmy Richardson, our left back, a real thousand in the first half. I was shipped out of uh, half back to full-back to go against him in the second half and he gave me a real thousand. He just couldn't get hold of him. He was he was alive where he was a tiny Todd but quick and fast and very, very skillful. So that's that picture. But Stanley Matthews, 50 years and uh, one month, six months rather, his last game. 41 years and one month, his last England game. And that's his statue in the... Uh, town centre in Blackpool. But there's another one, uh, which I think I sent you, Steve, which is a, a bigger statue. That one, that's the one near, near uh, Stanley Park, near towards the football ground. And uh, he, uh, that's supposed to depict these dribbling skills, the, the, the wizard of the dribble, as they called him, uh, Sir Stanley Matthews. Um, as I say, to uh, actually... Um, there's one other picture which uh, he won't like us uh, showing. Or he wouldn't have liked this if he was here. And that is that he was in the team that played in Berlin and had to do the Nazi salute to Hitler when they were, when before the match. And I know that those lads weren't very happy about having to do that. Matthews particularly was was uh, 
really cheesed off about having to do that. But as a uh, because the uh, um, uh, the situation, they could do no other than unless they caused a big international incident. Uh, but I know Stanley Matthews. So I'm sorry to do that, but I, I think it was uh, it would be important uh, to me. It would be remiss not to make at least mention Stanley Matthews when we're talking about Blackpool because he was yeah. such a figure in football in England, not just in Stoke and in, in, in Blackpool. Um, and one last personal thing, I noticed in the chat one or two uh, people um, mentioned Bobby Mitchell in in, in glowing terms, and and and, uh, and I'm glad because he was a great fella. But having the same name has sometimes caused me some embarrassment, especially when I've been at football matches with my son and his friends. And I remember going to a Blackburn game and we stopped. Uh, they wouldn't let me drive because I'd just come out of the hospital and had an operation. So they decided we'd go, but we'd go on the bus. So we stopped on the bus. What, what's the town we stopped in, Neil? I can't remember now. Cl- Clitheroe. Clitheroe. We stopped in Clitheroe and the two pub- the pubs in Clitheroe were taken over by the Mag 5 fans. And we were in this pub and we're sitting and somebody came over uh, and, and we're chatting and uh, it said, he said, he looked, he says, have I not seen you? And I says, well, you might have done. He says, I've seen you playing for the tune. I says, well, only the ends. I said, I didn't get much further than the ends and the juniors. And I said, the A team, the B team occasionally, but that's all. I knew I'd seen you. And before anybody, our lot could say anything about it, he gets on the table and he shouts, hey, Bobby Mitchell's over here. <laughs> <laughs> That lot, that lot didn't have to buy a drink for the rest of the night. <laughs> All the pens kept coming in. <laughs> it was amazing. So that that's a, a Bobby Mitchell story for you as well, Steve. So. Brilliant stuff. Hey, we've had a lot tonight uh, to cram in. Uh, as always, though, it's always great. And I, I know that people who tune into the, the Wednesday show love to uh, watch it just to get away from the mundane goings on at St. James's Park at the moment. OK, then. Uh, as always, I've uh, had to delve onto the internet to try and find... Uh, not only the celebrity fans, but players who played for both teams. So I've done a, a combined uh, set of players, first and foremost, uh, and the lads just have to guess them. And nothing uh, for getting them right, but uh, a little bit of pride. Uh, so uh, the first player. <clears throat> Preston North End, of course. Yeah. Is that Ian Bogie? No. No. Is it Gary Brazil? It is Gary Brazil. Gary Brazil, yeah. Castle and for Preston. Yeah, yeah that's right. Oh, um, oh man, centre back. Chris Holland. Yeah, there you go. Paul Huntington. Correct, Paul Huntington. That's what you said, Stu, would it? It was. <laughs> that's Bogey. Guy in the middle. That's Ian Bogey. Ian Bogey, yep. Yeah. Ned Kelly, isn't it? No. Yes. Looks like him, doesn't it? Is it Neil MacDonald? Correct, Neil MacDonald. Spotty uh, Mac, eh? <laughs> Very young one, yeah. Andy Carroll. Andy Carroll, rather young looking Carole. Andy Carroll there. Okay. And. That completes the Preston players. Here is the Blackpool ones I managed to dig out. Marlon Harewood. Marlon Harewood, yeah. Marlon Harewood. Neil Ranger. 
Ranger. Nail Ranger. Oh, um, oh. oh, how we am I dealing? Should know this, Christ. Yeah, me too. Thanks, we can hear you. Have I stumped you on this one, lads? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gary Kelly, is it? No, it's Tony Keg. Tony Keg. Uh, right, right position, Steve. Wrong name. <laughs> Murphy, is it? Yeah, Aye. Jake Murphy. Yeah. yeah. Is that Sudik? Sudik. It's not. Oh. Um, Keith Dyson? It's Keith not Dyson. Keith Dyson, no. Mm. It's in black and white, so you can leave me up. <laughs> you should know it's Stu. I know, I'm looking at this. Face. No. No. Kevin Sheedy. Never. Oh, God. No. Well done, Gary. Well done, to Gary Milligan. He got that right. Uh, so that completes the uh, the lineup of players. We'll go with celebrity fans now. Um, we've got a we've got a few, and uh, let's go with the um, Blackpool contingent first. Ooh, Brian, Brian London. London. Who? Brian London. Brian, Brian London. London, correct. Yeah, we're looking a little bit worse for wear. That was did. He did all. The, he did all the time, didn't he? <laughs> Looked like he won as well. That's that's another Brian, isn't it? Uh, it is. Da, 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 da. Rose. Brian Rose. Yeah. That's the Lancashire um, cricketer. Oh, da, da, da. Croft. Croft. Yeah, Stephen Croft. Steve Croft. Graham Kelly. Graham Kelly. Kelly. Graham Kelly. So that completes your Blackpool fans under Preston. What's the weird Barrett, the wrestler? Weird Barrett. Weird Barrett. Oh, Steve Borthwick. Borthwick, Steve I. Borthwick, the rugby player. Yeah. Coach for them, isn't he? Finland. Kilban. Kevin Kilban. Kilban. And last, Mark oh, Lawrence. 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 Mark Lawrenson, good stuff. Okay, uh, Mitch, we'll come to you first for a, for a team tonight. Um, over right. to you. Well, I correct you off to what you said right at the start. It's the first time we've done two together. It's not. It's the second time because we did the two Welsh clubs together. Oh, yeah. of course and, we did. And like, and like then, I've been a show-off and I've put two teams together. Oh, man, um, the world. Oh, yes. So my Preston team is Jimmy Lawrence in goal, who is our record appearance holder. And he was also manager at Preston after he left Newcastle. Um, and I've put him in as player manager as well. 
And then I've got Neil McDonald, Jeff Wrightson, John Bird and John Anderson across the back. A midfield three, Chris Holland, Gary Brazil and Ian Bogey. And then I've put Kevin Gallagher, Alan Gowlin and my mate Tony Loma up front for Preston. And then in, for Blackpool, I've got Gary Kelly and Goal. A back three of Col Steve Caldwell, Chris Hedworth and Darren Bradshaw. Um, Jacob Murphy on the right and Kevin Sheedy on the left. Midfield three of Alan Suddick, Dan Goslin and Sean Longstaff. And then Tony Cunningham and Mickey Burns up front and the manager, Lee Clock. Fantastic, mate. Great stuff. Uh, great to uh, have Anthony Matt on the uh, show earlier in the week, the Stephen yeah, Holly show. Uh, Anthony right. came on and talked about his wonderful achievement as well, uh, about completing the Great North Run after his battle with cancer. So if you haven't watched it, uh, tune into the Stephen Holly show. Uh, it's available online now. Stu, over to you, mate, for your team. Well, normally I have to ask uh, Mitch, I can normally get about eight or nine players. And then I say, look, I need help with another couple to make the team up. There is a dog patting in the background, it's not just this earphone. Dad, but, uh, it's Poppy. It's Poppy, right, okay. just come back. <laughs> right, no problem, as long as I'm not hearing things. <laughs> so, uh, I messaged Mitch and says, look, I don't need your help this week, mate. I've got 14 players, I'm shuffling around. And then he replied, he's got two teams. So, <laughs> what do you say? <laughs> what do you say to that? Right, so the, my team, I had uh, Clark, his manager, and uh, Burridge and Gold. Back three of Scotty McDonald, uh, John Anderson and uh, Caldwell. And then holding two midfields was Bogey and Longstaff with Alan Suddick, Kevin Sheedy and Tony Green playing in front of them. And then Andy Carroll up front, partnered by what's the opposite of prolific? Joe Linton. Shite. Close. <laughs> close, very close. Tony Cunningham. <laughs> Because uh, I mentioned him earlier, I thought I'd better put him in the team just in case I was getting uh, criticised for criticising him. So I thought I'd put him in the joint team. So I had Carolyn Cudden up, for, up front. That would have caused a bit of trouble between the two of them, to be fair. So that was my team. Good stuff, Steve Wilkinson. Well, I was very tempted to put a, a note, no 10 formation. I got 16 strikers on, on the in the squad. I think everybody else probably found a similar. Picking <laughs> so the forward line was very hard. But anyway, I've gone, I've gone for a more traditional type of team. Um, somebody I never, never, never saw play, but I, I, I believe was a pretty good goalkeeper. Uh, it was Jack, Jack Fairbrother in goal. Um, back at, at the back, John Anderson, John Blackley, John Bird, and Stephen Caldwell. Midfield, uh, Mick Martin, Tony Green, Kevin Gallagher, and the strikers I did pick was Alan Gowlin, Wynn Davies, and Alan Surick. And uh, for manager, I'm going to let the let the, the the viewers decide whether they want Gordon Lee or Sam Allardyce as manager. Best. Oh dear! Would you like cholera or anthrax? <laughs> exactly. I guess if you're doing a joint Clark. team, you could have, you probably could have gone for Lee Clark. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Good stuff, well, George. Under you. I I stuck with Preston because I did two Preston games. Uh, Jack Ferber at goal. John Anderson, John Blackley at fullback. Um, Chris Holland, Paul Huntington. And uh, Mick Martin in in the nominal midfield. Uh, then I put Tony Loma for obvious reasons on, on the right right hand side. Uh, Alan Gowlin, Andy Carroll. Um, come on, uh, Alex Matthew, and uh, one other. 
Come on. I've lost it. Um, anyway. Um, oh, Alex Matthews on, on the on the um, on the left and Neil McDonald inside him. Uh, and as manager, I, I couldn't stomach the notion of some of the names that's been mentioned on here, manager to catch it out again. So I, I made Mick Martin player manager just to be awkward. <laughs> Great stuff. Great recollections, lads, as always. Been some fantastic stuff uh, tonight. And uh, look, from my point of view, great to combine the two teams. Uh, we will be back, of course, next Wednesday. And uh, I think we all just want to say, you know, we wish Steve Hasty well. A lot of people talking about it. A lot of people wishing them all the best. And uh, he will be back soon. But uh, any messages, lads, for uh, the Wizard? Well, He's I just putting what... it on, man. <laughs> He's having a good <laughs> <laughs> I spoke to him last, last night and he was cheerful enough, but, uh, um, you know, he, he, I often see on here, uh, he's my adopted son because he looks after me when I go to St. James's Park, but uh, um, he's got strict instructions not to be there on Friday night, otherwise he'll get the back of my hand. So that's all we need to know, guys. As always, he's, he's in good heart. He's in good heart. Yeah, good of course he is. Good right. stuff. All right, uh, I will be back with uh, with Mitch, of course, on uh, Friday. It will be a pre-record this week, uh, the Fab Four, because of the match, and we will put it on the channel slightly earlier so people can watch it before they go to the game. And there will be a match day live with the game being live on Sky. So Daz from Loaded TV will be taking over the channel once again, and uh, him and the crew will be doing a match day live. But uh, for tonight, thanks very much, guys. Take care. Good night. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Talking to myself